are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Now, he didn't just rise again from the dead, rise again, again. He's been alive. And we're going to get into that in scripture here. I already read you some of this. We're going to read it again because we see God not only rising from the dead. We don't see Jesus just being raised. The implications that we've been singing about of him raising us with him are pretty fantastic. So let's get back into Matthew 28. Should be on the screen here in a second. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. That's northern Israel. And there you will see him See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. There they will see me. These women. I I, I love that the guards. These would have been serious dudes. Roman military men. This wasn't like flying drones. This was hand to hand. These guys were brutes. They were so afraid. They basically passed out. They're, They're falling on the ground in fear. I just like that the angel has to say to the women who came, don't be afraid. (laughs) The guards are on the ground. The ladies are apparently not. Go ladies. Go Mary and Mary. Jesus had said three times, at least three times. We know from scripture, three different times where he said, the son of man, referring to himself, must be killed. He's going to be betrayed. He's going to be mocked. He's going to be ridiculed. He's going to be scorned. He's going to be crucified. And every time he would tell them different details of this, he would end it by saying, and on the third day, rise again. On the third day, rise again. Mark's gospel says he'll rise again. Matthew's gospel every time says he will be raised. There's this cool partnering with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, where Jesus is taking up his life again, and yet it's also the Father partnering and raising his Son from the dead. The women come to the tomb, 
expecting to find Jesus' body. They come expecting to find the one they had believed was the Messiah. They're coming to care for his body. They're coming to prepare him for more long-term burial. But what they find is not a dead Messiah. What they find is first an angel and the different gospels tell us different things about it. It wasn't only one angel. There were more. But this angel says to them, you come seeking, you're looking for Jesus. He is not here. He has risen as he said. And the implications of this are huge, you guys. Because before his death, if he was saying, I'm going to rise again, I'm going to rise again. You can say that. I could say that. You could say that. When I die, three days later, I'm coming back. But do you have the power to pull that off? I don't. I don't. Jesus did. The implications are massive. Because if he has that kind of power, then everything else he said, he has the power to carry out as well. When he promised, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He can carry that out. He can be like, he can fulfill that promise. And so the women come thinking they're going to find a dead Jesus. And what they find instead. First, they find an empty tomb. And this is what the angel says to them. The first thing he says after, don't be afraid. He's not here. They say, come and see. Come and see. Come and see the evidence of an empty tomb. We all need to experience for ourselves the same thing they did. They needed to be able to see an empty tomb. They needed to be able to see evidence that Jesus was not dead. That Jesus is alive. I'm going to just throw out... I'm not going to turn to these scriptures. They're just going to come up there as references. Matthew 18, 20 says that when we gather, like right now, together, as we're gathering to worship Jesus, says that when we gather in his name, Jesus says, I am there in the midst. I am there with you. Matthew 28, 20 says, I am with you always. I am with you. That's kind of cool. He didn't just rise again from the dead and then leave us on our own. He says, no, I'm with you. And one of the evidences of that is actually you. Me. Us. As, As we see, and actually the better people get to know you, Okay, guess what? The more we get to know you, the less perfect we find out you are. Isn't that great news? Like, shh, I don't want everybody to know this. We find out that your past is broken, just like my past is broken. All of us come from backgrounds that are broken, that have 
all kinds of sin and sinful things that we have done or that have happened to us. Actually, both. And as people get to know you and they find out you're still not perfect, but Jesus is changing you, you actually become a powerful evidence, a powerful testimony to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, that he is alive and with us. That's pretty cool. The angel invites the women, come and see. And then the second thing he says is, come and see, and then go and tell. Go and tell the disciples that he's risen from the dead, as he said. Go and tell. So what is it that we're telling? There's two things that we're telling. One is the the story. What I just read to you. We tell the story of scripture. We tell the story of the Bible. The whole Bible lays out this overarching theme of not just a sinful man. Although, oh my gosh, if you read the Old Testament and you just read through how messed up the people of God are, how broken the people of God are, how rebellious. It is not a pretty picture. And how God keeps intervening and intervening and intervening and reminding that he has a plan. He has a plan to seek and save the lost. He has a plan to redeem the nations. He has a plan to, to redeem male and female. He has a plan to redeem all of creation. We get to tell the story. But we also tell the story of what we have experienced. The women were invited, come and see for yourselves and then go and tell. Then go and tell. What have you seen and heard? Some of you are going, well, I've seen a pretty animated guy in the front of the room today. (laughs) I hope there's a lot more that you're seeing. That you're seeing not just John at the front, but you're seeing a Jesus who loves, a Jesus who has mercy, what we've been singing about. We're going to read a little more. This Jesus who comes and he wakes up the dead. He wakes us up from our spiritual death. Wakes us up from just kind of our sluggishness even. And he brings life to us. I'm getting ahead of myself because I really want to get there. I'm very excited. (laughs) What has Jesus done in your life? What have you seen? What evidence have you seen? That's what you go and tell as you tell the story of Scripture. For Mary and Mary, the two Marys, they were sent first to Jesus' closest friends, the disciples, his apprentices, basically. They were sent to the disciples. For us, who are we being sent back to? It might be your brother. It might be your sister. It might be your parents. It might be your extended family. It might be your neighbor next door or across the street. Coworker, the person you get to hang out with regularly during the week. Or that person you run into in Walmart. And you just get to tell what Jesus 
is doing. And they say, wow, there's something, there's something about you. COVID sucked for me. Why is there joy in your life? Well, let me tell you about this Jesus. Let me tell you about a Jesus who carried my sin at the cross. And he took all of the punishment, everything for every wrong thing I've ever done or even will do. That he took it all on himself. And he took my place. That's why I can smile. When things aren't good, not just when things are good. That's why there's a joy in me. This is what we get to tell. So we need to be reminded of the story ourselves, don't we? And when Jesus rose from the dead, something really amazing happened that I think we tend to forget. We're going to back up for a second into Matthew 27. I think verse 51 is where it's going to start reading on the screen. I'm going to read from 50, which is Jesus, the moment as he dies. It says, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice. We find out from other gospels what he cried out was, it is accomplished. It is finished. And then he yielded up his spirit. He said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And then in verse 51, and behold, the curtain of the temple, the curtain separated the holy of holies, the place where you could not go or you would die. The presence of God was strong. And God had to keep a, a separation between people and him. The curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. It ripped as if God said, let me out of here. I'm getting to my people and I'm welcoming you in to my presence. And this happened when Jesus died. It says, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. Now, what happened when Jesus rose from the dead? We get this little crazy story right here. The tombs, plural, also were opened and many bodies of the saints that would be people who were trusting God, people who were looking forward to the Messiah, looking for a savior. Many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. You remember this part of the story? It's like the walking dead. Oh my goodness. You hear the Lazarus story, like that's one guy. Now you have at Jesus' resurrection, multiple saints, multiple believers, multiple people looking for and anticipating the Messiah raised to life immediately as Jesus rose from the dead. And then we skip back into, in verse 54, back to his death when the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place they were filled with awe and said truly this was the son of God so guys not only was the veil of the temple torn in two not only that 
the tombs were opened. Many bodies raised from the dead immediately. Now, we aren't given more details than this. Who were they? What did they, what did they say when they walked into Jerusalem? I don't know about you. I'm curious about these things. What did people do when Uncle Joe came walking back? There had to have been some, there had to have been some screams. There had to have been some, and followed by some joy. What, then what happened? We aren't told that part because the point is Jesus. And yet the implication is Jesus looses us from death and he releases us into life. He breaks the power of death. I'm going to read you one more scripture. This will pop up on the screen. Ephesians 2. It's not just people at his resurrection that were raised to new life. What is the implication for you and me? The apostle Paul tells us very clearly in Ephesians 2. I'd encourage you, go in your Bible this week. Just read all of Ephesians 1 and 2. It's not like reading chapters in a novel. Chapters in the Bible are very short. Ephesians 1 and 2 fits on like one page. So I'm picking a little bit of it, but it is all amazing. It's one of my favorite pages in all of the Bible. And you, plural, you, church, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him. And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. Not a result of works. So that no one may boast. Lynn was hitting on this uh, earlier when she shared with us. uh, Just before Becca did the announcements. You can't earn it. You can't earn this. It is impossible. In fact, as you try to earn it, you fall, fall farther from it. You cannot earn what Jesus does freely. What Jesus has done says, while you were dead. You can yell at a dead guy all you want. It doesn't matter. You can tell that dead guy, shape up. Be better. Do better. No response. While you were dead. Nobody likes to hear that. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Dead in my sins. (laughs) Well, while you were dead, God loved you. That's why he went to the cross for you. Took your sin upon himself. While you were dead. Because he's rich in mercy. Because he is full of this great love. 
he made us alive together with Christ. He made us alive. It's like he opens your spiritual eyes and ears and your spiritual heart. He opens you up and what you couldn't even understand before, what you couldn't comprehend before, what you literally not just would not, but could not believe that God himself was so good that he carried your sin upon himself. He took your death penalty. He took it. It says, Paul will go on in other places and say, it's like we were buried in that tomb with him. Our sins were nailed to that cross with him. And we were raised with him. And when Paul says, by grace you have been saved through faith. We hear the story. We hear the evidence. We see evidence in those around us. People testifying, God has changed my life. And the only thing we do in here, the only thing, says by grace you've been saved through what? Faith. Faith. And you go, yeah, but how do I work that up? What do I got to hype out some faith? No, the very next thing says, and that's not from you. It's not your own doing. Even the faith isn't your own doing. It's a gift of God. And as we're hearing this story, some of us, some of us, our faith is being reactivated today. Some of us, maybe for the first time, our faith is like you're feeling like this. Wow. I've never even been able to think about this or think this way. And yet, I find myself believing this story. I find myself believing Jesus, Jesus did this for me. God's activating. And we're going to get there in just a second. Jesus says one more thing. Or sorry, the angel says one more thing. He says, he's going before you. Tell the disciples he's going before you to Galilee. He's going before you and you will see him there. You will see him in the going. Now, if you read the other, other gospels, the women go and they tell the disciples and the disciples don't believe them. You know what Jesus does? He's just said, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see them. You know what Jesus does? He goes right to where they are. In their unbelief, in their doubt, in their struggle, in their fear. He goes right where they are. And he shows up in the room like, hey. And they're freaked out. What? They think he's a ghost. What? And he eats with them. They watch him eat and, and drink. They're like, he's not a ghost. He's eating the food. He goes right where they are. Even after saying, go here, you'll see me there. And then Jesus doesn't wait for them to obey. He goes and gets them. And he helps, he activates their faith. He activates them from their doubt into a place where they can believe. There's blessing in the going. But Jesus isn't just saying, you got to go do this first. Go do this first and then you'll see me. He says, yes, go do this and you'll see me and I'm going to come get you.
I'm going to help you get there. He's faithful. (laughs) I wrote it in my notes. He is faithful to kickstart our faith and help us on the journey. I'm an old 80s rocker, so I see kickstart and I think of old 80s rock songs like kickstart my heart. (laughs) Anybody else remember that song? I got, yeah, we're all, all everybody, we're all dating ourselves when we do that. Uh, He's faithful to kickstart our faith. But when he's calling us to go and meet him, we will find even more evidence of his resurrection power as we just respond to him. What's he calling you into? Maybe he's saying, hey, Wednesday, get together, let's pray. Let's hang out together. Maybe he's saying, tomorrow morning, why don't you hang out with me for a little while before I go to work? We will keep discovering more and more and more evidence of his resurrection power as we respond to him. I want to pray for you guys, and then we're going to sing to celebrate. Father, I just pray that your resurrection power and the story that we've just revisited today, what we have heard today, the story of your releasing life into many others the day that you rose from the dead and how you continue to release life into every person who puts their faith in you. And you even release the power for us to do that. Father, I pray right now for an activating of faith, a releasing of hope in our hearts, a releasing of fresh vision into our hearts, a releasing of fresh identity into us, daring to believe you. Father, I pray even for a supernatural ability to turn from our ways to yours. Lord, we we could try to repent all we want, but Lord, when you call us to yourself, you enable us to turn. And I thank you for that. Thank you for each one that's here today. And I pray that these words of resurrection life, of resurrection power, Lord, let them sink deeply and root deeply into our hearts that our faith and our trust would rest in nothing less than you, Jesus.